Now activating the Beast Node, hosted by Travis Lochner. Are you ready? If you listen and take action, the following few moments may change your life. The world needs you now more than ever. Yeah. What do you want to be remembered for? What is your true purpose on this earth? You were meant for greatness. Does this hit an emotional chord? Yeah. I can help you change your future. Have a greater purpose in life. Your soul is screaming for you to answer your true calling. Initiate upload to listener in three, two, one. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a best seller in the building. She is an ex-Microsofter. Crushed it there, leveled up. An ex-Googler. Crushed it there, leveled up. And has been a master of modern marketing with really just deep empathy um, that I don't see in the space. She is a LinkedIn all-star and most recently a number one best-selling author, Maya Grossman. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Travis. Honestly, with that introduction, would you mind coming with me everywhere I go and just, you know, every time I say hi, repeat everything you just said? <laughs> Gladly. Um, if, if it means I get to hang out in your presence, uh, I, I would definitely do that. We are super grateful for your time here. Um, would love to capture really just a snapshot of your world. You're really a high performer, just operating on another level. So the game plan here is for the first half, just getting a lifestyle download of your world, where you came from, where you're at. And then the second half, we're going to go ahead and transition your voice to the listener. And that's where we're going to have your legacy upload and sort of turn the tables a little bit. But we are so grateful to have you here and... On that note of gratitude, I'd like to kind of catch you on your toes here and please tell me what is the first thing that you were grateful for today? I'm a huge Ooh. believer in the keystone. <laughs> gratitude is the keystone of happiness. So every time somebody's listening to this episode, that's going to be top of mind. First, first thing right out the gates, uh, or it can be something you're most grateful for right now. Well, honestly, I started my day every Friday. I speak to my family. They all live abroad. So we have this special time where it's morning in the U.S. and it's um, early in the evening for them. So honestly, my family, they're my, my strength. Um, I used to spend every weekend with them when we lived in the same country. So today when I have the opportunity to talk to them, it just fills me up with, with energy and honestly reminds me of what really matters. Mm, I love it. Straight to family, right out the gates. Uh, I think that that's a, a strong signal. Um, so I'm also a believer in karma and balance. Uh, we, we've knocked out the gratitude here. While you're on the air, I'd love to give you a chance to go the opposite direction. What is something you simply despise or hate or are so annoyed by in this world? Uh, can't keep it all positive. Want to give you some room to rant or, or vent if we need to. Uh, we, we need to change the world one idea at a time. Uh, curious if there's anything that you are wondering, why does that exist? Why, can we, why can't we just change that? Honestly, um, I don't spend a lot of time hating. I think it's a waste of energy, but obviously a few things 
you know, do kind of bug me. And it's actually something that you wouldn't consider like a world problem. But I hate it when I see wasted potential. And I spent the majority of my career as a manager. I, I had more than 10 years to lead teams. And I hate it when I see people where it's clear that they have the potential, that they can do better, they can grow, they can learn, but they resist it. They don't either don't believe in themselves or that they put their own walls. And no matter how hard you try to show them there's a different way to, to think about themselves and their abilities, they just refuse to believe it. And it drives me crazy to see wasted potential because not only, you know, it's great for the company if, you know, your employees are doing better, but for you as, as an individual, it is so much better to go through life feeling fulfillment and enjoyment of what you do instead of just kind of, you know, passing time. Mm, I love that. And this is so aligned to the mission that we have here at the Beast Note of really tapping into creative potential and life potential. Um, and that's the reason you're here. So I'd love to get a little snapshot of your life somehow, some way. Let's take a little time portal trip back to where things started. And this uh, this could be any significant point where, where exactly we want to start. But could you just give us a snapshot moment of growing up in your household or an average day or one of your favorite days growing up, what was that like? Well, I was, I guess what you would call a bit of a nerd. I was brought up to think <laughs> education is everything. So I spent a lot of time, you know, just being really good, going to school, doing my homework, getting the grades. I wasn't a total outcast, but I wasn't like the most popular girl. So I think you can say I had a very normal um, adolescence. I didn't rebel or anything. I loved my parents. They were my best friends. They still are. So yeah, it was pretty, I don't know, regular. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's exactly what I'm, I'm sure a lot of people like to hear. <laughs> and anyways, it doesn't always have to be. Um, I think a lot of times you hear these superstar stories of this dramatic uh, upbringing to really need to send you on a certain trajectory. And, and that obviously breaks the mold. Um, so there was a piece of our research here that might impress you or creep you out here. So we had a uh, little intern go run and steal an old notebook of yours as a child. And they read and discovered that at a very young age, you wrote stories as a girl and poems and also letters to boyfriends <laughs> that didn't exist yet. So that's how good our research is over here. I'm curious, is this true? And what started these writing adventures? What's in this magical notebook? Was that what set you on this journey to be a best-selling author? Wow, you're good. Um, <laughs> there was a red notebook. And yeah, it included you know, poems and love letters. I guess I just felt very comfortable expressing myself in writing. I wasn't a drama queen, so I didn't go out and just yell at everyone. I quietly wrote down what I thought and what I dreamed of and what I wanted you know, to happen. And it was just my outlet. Um, I remember you know, putting some music on and just sitting down in my room, usually in the dark, writing. And it was like this broody, 
kind of mood and I felt very much like, you know, an author, even in an early age, just being able to create something. I never really shared it with anyone. It was, I, I wrote it just for myself, but I think it really helped me understand that writing is a great way for me to not only express myself, but to kind of get everything in my head to, to kind of quiet down and put it into order and really understand what I think so that I can then take action and do something with it. Mm, love that. No, so it sounded like this creative outlet was tapped into pretty early uh, in this journey. So let's start moving that time portal closer to present day. Between then and now, there there was at least, I'm sure there were many, but what is one pivot point that you could say, without this moment, I would not be where I'm at today? Like a powerful moment that uh, you'd like to attribute a portion or a decent amount of this this adventure to? Yeah, honestly, it's going to sound so much like a cliche, but... <laughs> For me, that moment was meeting my husband. And not just because, you know, I met my other half and someone who believes in me, but because he actually introduced me to the world of personal development. I was already doing a lot of different things without having a name for them, without understanding that I'm actually trying to manage my own life and my own career. And when I met him, I finally had a name for it. And I finally had structure because he was really into it. And he introduced me to Tony Robbins. And I started reading books about personal development. And I think just after a couple of months of doing that, it hit me. I can actually do anything I want. And it's very different to believe that and know that you can than just think it or say it. So I think that was a huge moment for me because from that moment on, everything is possible. Mm, I love that. Some An external trigger that kind of had a, an internal catalyst for you. Um, yeah. I and, lo and love seeing that. And the, at the beginning, it was so funny because I used to tease him because I was like, what are all these like mantras? Is this some new age fluff? You're just telling yourself that you're great because I didn't understand what it was. But the more I started listening and reading and the more I saw the results that he was achieving just by following, you know, different strategies, um, I decided, okay, I need to try it. And I completely fell in love. Mm, man, I love it. That is a, a perfect segue anyways to really wanting to understand how people approach transition and growth and learning. So... I'd love to kind of give you an open-ended question of how do you learn? Where do you learn? What do you learn? What, uh, what is your approach or strategy to this leveling up, this personal and professional development that you're mentioning? Well, that's a great question. And I think just to kind of explain how much I think learning is important for your personal growth and your career growth, there's an entire chapter in the book on how to create a growth machine. And here's the thing, most people stop learning when they're out of school, out of college. They just assume they're done with it because there's no structure that is keeping them in the loop and asking them to, to learn and grow. 
And if you don't do that for yourself, it's very easy to never read a book, to never actually, you know, learn something valuable as opposed to spending your time in front of the TV. So what I tried to do is to create a mechanism where learning is almost automatic. So all the information I need comes to me. That way I don't need to work hard. I don't need to think about it. Oh no, I should probably learn. Maybe I'll Google search something and, you know, spend an hour on it. But this way, if I create all of these mechanisms, and one of them, for example, is to set up Google Alerts for different topics that interest you, and that comes straight into your inbox. Another thing you can do is to sign up to different newsletters, uh, but only the ones that you actually open and read. And also those come straight into your inbox, so you don't have to work you know, hard for the information to come to you. I try to use my existing habits, so I spend a lot of time on social media. So instead of just browsing through Instagram, you know, seeing sometimes, you know, pleasing photos, but not necessarily educational, what I do is I choose one uh, channel and I follow a bunch of influencers that I really admire. And that way, every time I go into LinkedIn, for example, most of the content that I see um, is about marketing or career. If I go to Instagram, a lot of the content is about working out and fitness, which is really important to me. And sometimes I need a reminder, hey, you know, get off your butt and go do something physically, just move around. Um, or I actually see, um, you know, influencers who are life coaches because I need, I still need that reinforcement all the time. So, and I know that I'm going to go there. I know I'm going to spend, you know, the last five minutes of my day on Instagram. So at least I learn something in the process. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I also read books whenever I can. I mostly listen to audiobooks these days. It's just easier for me. Um, I love podcasts. But when I decide that I want to learn something, I usually go very deep. So if I want to master a topic, I will spend, you know, 50 to 100 hours really understanding it from every aspect, listening to every podcast, reading tons and tons of articles, asking questions, trying to find the answers, um, because I want to know that I really get it. Mm. No, there were some key pieces in there. I think that curated element, that's a huge piece. Um, there is so much content out there of <laughs> every category, positive, negative, neutral, um, yeah. that that is really a key piece to make sure that that's curated. Uh, and the other piece you mentioned of reducing that friction, minimizing friction between the insight and jumping in there and actually absorbing it. So those are excellent, uh, excellent tips. Uh, I'd love to transition into that uh, consuming, that creating type of uh, world. And on the consumer side, it sounds like you subscribe to some email lists, some influencers. Are there any uh, gems you could share with us as ideal people, places, publications to follow in that in the realm of positive content that really can help you move forward with your life? Yeah, two of my favorites uh, from a personal development perspective are Tom Bilyeu and Marie Forleo. Very different styles. Tom is more, you know, tough love in your face. Marie is a little bit more, you know, kind and elegant, but they both really have a great way with storytelling and they have great tactics 
that you can use every single day to have better habits, uh, better life, and just kind of control you know, your own thoughts and, and everything that you do. So those are two people um, that I really look up to. And recently, um, I signed up to a newsletter uh, by Scott Barker. It's actually about sales. Uh, and as a marketer, it's, it's really important to me to really understand how sales work, how salespeople think so that we can better align and work together. But the way he writes the newsletter is just so much fun. It's super personal, tons of fun little stories, and it just makes it so much more enjoyable to go through it, but still gain a lot of knowledge. Mm, I love that. Um, so I see you obviously consume lots of positive and productive content. Do you get pulled into any of the Netflix black holes, the YouTube uh, rabbit hole? Uh, obviously, you're a high performer, um, we can tell. But are you a human? Do you watch Netflix? What's going on over there? <laughs> of course, I watch Netflix. Of course. Well, I'm a little bit. Um, I'm a little bit obsessed with. Lucifer right now Ooh. we discovered my husband and I discovered it just a month ago so we're binge watching the all of the seasons uh, and that's kind of my guilty pleasure and I try mm. to have like an hour a day of TV and it really just helps me unwind and I love YouTube I follow a couple of beauty bloggers because I'm hopeless when it comes to like hair and makeup um, but I try, you know, I want to educate myself. So it's a, it's a very good way to learn. So still learning, you know, just a different type of focus. Uh, but no, definitely. I'm a huge fan of Phil DeFranco. This is how I get my news. I hate listening mm. to the news. Uh, so Phil is my guy, but yeah, I mean, I try to limit myself in a way. So I would definitely look on at my phone and kind of make sure that I don't spend that much time, uh, you know, just browsing, but it happens. Mm, it happens. It definitely happens. <laughs> um, do you have any, I guess, strict or hard limits on on that, or is it pretty much self self discipline kind of monitoring? All right, maybe it's been a little a little too long. It's getting late. Um, or is there any official system or apps or extensions or anything kind of in that realm to keep you? productive and, and on track? I want to say I have a fancy system, but mostly <laughs> it's just, you know, being accountable for myself. So I know when I work, so let's say nine to five-ish, uh, I'll be on LinkedIn, but that's part of my job right now. But I probably wouldn't browse through Instagram in the middle of the day. So either my lunch break or late at night, when I'm about to go to bed, this is when I kind of indulge myself. Mm, love that. Uh, is there anything still in this world of, I guess, productive habits, controlling, controlling your day? If you had to minimize your day down to three tasks, what would they be? Or what are the three most effective tasks of your day usually? Okay, tasks or habits? Just tasks? Um, let's go with tasks, um, like physical things, like you were mentioning, checking LinkedIn. Is that something you have to do if you can only do three things a day to make it as productive as possible? <laughs> um, 
What well, right now, probably yes. LinkedIn will mm-hmm. definitely. We can call it. Uh, we can call it writing content um, because it's a big part of of what I do right now. Not only content for LinkedIn, but also creating all sorts of toolkits and uh, different resources for the audience that I have and the people who are mm-hmm. gonna, you know, are gonna read the book. Uh, so I definitely say writing content is a huge part of it. Um, we can say, you know, engaging with other people on LinkedIn. I do think that's still very important with what I'm doing right now. Um, and probably um, I'm focused right now on building a demand gen funnel for the book. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, I can't just, you know, go to LinkedIn every single day and tell people go buy my book. I need a better system. So I would probably just choose one task out of my demand gen tasks and do them every day. Mm, Love that. So you were mentioning, yeah, the content creation. We can flip from consumer to the creator side. You're obviously a writer. Um, Is there anything else that you create in this world, whether it be professional or very not professional at all? Um, (laughs) What else do you create for us? Well, I used to have a podcast about marketing way back in the day, um, and I dabble with audio a little bit every now and then. I tried video, didn't really work for me, way too much overhead with makeup and setting and everything. Um, I guess the other thing I create um, would be food, because as I mentioned, I'm huge on dessert, so I bake every weekend. I don't cook. Um, I you know, I really can't prepare food, but when it comes to desserts, cakes, cookies, anything that has to do with baking, I love it. It it puts me in this zen, you know, um, this zen feeling, and I just love it. And I love eating the food, so. Mm, what is your go-to baking item? Your top top of the list right now, top of the menu. Anything chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta love it. Um, no, that's brilliant. Uh, I heard in your baking and culinary adventures once upon a time that you were involved in some type of master chef like adventure uh, prior to this. What what is what is that little culinary adventure? Can you give us some context of that before we switch switch gears into our, our upload? Yeah, of course. Well, very, very early in my career, when I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, one of my dreams was to be a chef. That was until I realized how hard it is to actually be a chef. But at that point, I was still in love with the idea. And specifically being a pastry chef, I started um, creating desserts with my mom very early on. I would, you know, come Uh, sit with her in the kitchen when she would bake a cake or something and as a kid that was the only safe thing she could let me you know help with and I fell in love with it and I kept baking and I don't even remember how I found out there was a competition in my city it was way before MasterChef became a thing but they were kind of the first and I think about a thousand people applied And I spent weeks preparing. I created my own dessert. (laughs) I got all of my neighbors to try it out, try different versions. And I had this perfect thing. And the thing was, you couldn't actually cook there. You had to prepare everything at home. (laughs) 
go there, sometimes wait for two or three hours, and then present what you brought. And we did that. And when I was supposed to present, we opened up the case where my cakes was and everything melted. And I was devastated. So they told me, it's okay, you can come back. So I had to do everything all over again, came back there. And this time I actually got to present to the judges. And out of a thousand people, they chose, I think it was about 15. And I was one of them. And it was so exciting. <laughs> and we had a couple of chefs come over and we had classes with them. And we had to compete. One of the, one of the competitions was around making an omelet. One of them was cooking pasta, I think. I don't remember, but it was, it was pretty much what you see on TV, minus the cameras. And it was really, really exciting. And I didn't make it all the way to the top, but just the experience, you know, uh, just feeling like, you know, I'm actually good at that. Um, I was able to go all the way, you know, to the top 10. That's, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. But it also taught me, I do not want to do that as a career. Mm. Um, it is very hard. Fair enough. Well, thankfully, you found this writing and marketing world because um, this is where it seems like you found your muse in really helping people tap into that potential that you despise seeing wasted. Uh, I'm in the, I'm in the same, same boat. And I would love to talk about this book invaluable because it truly is that um in a time this pandemic era for these people uh visiting us from the future we are <laughs> peak pandemic right now um and maya has dropped a book that helps people really develop all the skills that they need to survive in conditions exactly like this. Was that planned? Was that just uh, a stroke of luck? Because uh, I couldn't think of a more perfect book that people would need in a situation like this. <laughs> Thank you. Um, to be honest, no, it wasn't planned. I started writing about a year ago. I think it was around um, September. So didn't really know anything about COVID at the time. It was just, I mean, I had a task Maya, write a book for like three years and I completely ignored it. And I think it was just this one week where I had three different people come up to me and, and ask me for career advice. And I was giving them the exact same advice over and over. And then it hit me. This is what I should write the book about. I should, you know, start thinking about my career and what I think you know, allowed me to be where I am today, which I consider to be successful based on, you know, my own, um, how I define success. And I just started writing. So, yeah, I mean, I would, I don't know if I would call it luck. I think my main goal has always been to make an impact on people's lives. So I think in terms of timing, it's just a great opportunity to influence more people because more people are more aware and potentially need those skills to be able to go back into the workforce. Absolutely. Yeah, the 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 skills that you've put forth, I'm a huge fan of kind of the, the skill stack theory um, that... All, all 10 of them, I couldn't, if, if I had to pick one, uh, it, it would be difficult because I was going through every single one of them and they truly are vital skills to stay adaptable and really 
the key theme that I saw was control. Really having the ability of controlling your career, controlling your trajectory. Uh, was that was that side intentional, or is that um, something th- that we should be focusing on? Um, I'm curious what exactly you think the the overarching takeaway is, or the most valuable piece uh, somebody would get for picking up this book. I think the bottom line I was hoping to make people understand is, you know, you control your own career. You get to decide what you want to do. And you have everything that you need to make it happen. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what your profession. It just, it doesn't matter what other people think or say or do because you always have choices. And I think that was kind of the bottom line. And the way to get there is to change your mindset. And this is why we're talking about soft skills and not, you know, a profession or something more technical. And I think you know, those 10 skills, like you mentioned, they do stack up. We start with just understanding the baseline, which is having an owner's mindset. Because if you're not open to the possibility of doing more than just your job description, then this book is probably not going to serve you well. And one by one, we, you know, I kind of walk people through the different skills and they definitely all stack together and become this invaluable mindset. And I don't think I had control in mind, but it's funny that you mention it because I had a conversation yesterday with a young professional and she was talking to me about a situation where, you know, her manager was sharing a lot of feedback, not in a very, you know, constructive way. And she just didn't know what to do with it. And funny enough, my, my answer was, you know, define what you want your feedback to look like. And then tell your manager how to give you feedback. So have a conversation where you tell them, you know, I understand that maybe I'm not doing everything as you expect right now, but I want to learn. I want to improve. And I appreciate your feedback. But what would make it even better is if you can also give me a few pointers on how to improve and how to do it the right way. And I think most people wouldn't even consider having that conversation they just accept things as they are. And I guess for me, I just never accepted it. I had a vision in my mind of what my life, my work, my day-to-day needs to look like. And then I just tried to shape it into that dream. And most mm. of the time, it worked. No, it, it clearly uh, is working on your end. And I'm so glad that you're taking the lessons that you've learned and paying it forward. That pivot that you were mentioning with that conversation earlier of having the mental or psychological realization, then the physical action, it's all worthless without the ownership and that action. So I'm so grateful that you were able to put this together and share it with the world. Uh, Before we get too deep into the rest of this uh, adventure, where can people pick up this book? Um, Where do you typically steer them towards? Amazon, your website, what's what's the pitch? Yeah, you can definitely go to Amazon and look for Invaluable or Maya Grossman, or just go to mayagrossman.com. All of my information is there. Uh, My blog is there, and you can also get the first chapter of the book. If you're not sure yet, you can get it for free and decide for yourself. Boom. Perfect. Uh, And please go ahead and do that after the show. uh, I snagged it recently, and it's well worth it. 
I actually have an interesting story. When you were coming out with this book, I was kind of following you from the sidelines. I had I had the brilliant idea to bring you on the podcast to promote the book. I was like, <laughs> oh, maybe I'll help her hit a bestseller. And before I could even send the invite your way, this book already hit bestseller. Uh, and what I'd love to unpack, I've got a little segment here called The Secret Recipe. Um, and I would love to ask for a specific strategy or system or process that has changed your life. Um, and if you don't mind, I'd like for that system or process to be how in the world do you sell a bestseller. Um, what is the formula over there beyond writing a phenomenal book? There's uh, lots of other pieces to that machine. What can you share with us? Can you give us the secret sauce? Yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> there, there, there are different ways to get there, right? If you're a celebrity or if you work with a big publishing house, they're going to do a lot of the work for you. For me, when I started writing the book, about a year ago, I already knew I'm not going to have that. I already knew I'm going to self-publish. So I needed to build a platform. I needed people to get to know me. And the way to do that, at least for me, was to write content and to start sharing this career advice even before I actually had a full book. I think when I started writing, I had like two chapters. And as I was writing, I also started getting feedback from people. So I reached out to young professionals. I got them to read the first, the second, the third chapter, and just tell me what they thought about the overall story, the narrative, um, and about the advice that I was giving. And that feedback really shaped the way the book looks, but it also shaped how I write my content on LinkedIn. And it was a very slow and steady growth. People think, you know, overnight success, but it took five months before I think most people even knew I existed. For five months, most of my posts were like five likes, three likes, 10 likes. When I hit, I think, 2,000 views on a post, I thought I was on the moon. I'm like, yes, I've made it. And then I realized, you know what? It's actually not that much. But what I did, was I kept posting five days a week, every single week. Ever since, I think it was the end of December last year, 2019, I haven't missed a day. Wow. Consistency. So that's probably the biggest secret. But you still need to write a good book because if the book sucks, no amount of good marketing is going to help. But, and this is very specific to anyone who wants to write a book. I did the research. I read everything that was out there on the Amazon algorithm. How do they rank books? What are different things that you can do from SEO perspective, by choosing categories? There's very, you know, there are a couple of different things you can do. And I made sure that I had all of them. And I did it in advance. And I also planned the launch in a way that I had, you know, the biggest amount of people coming in the first couple of days. And then I just crossed my fingers and did my best. And, mm. you know, luckily everything aligned, but uh, it definitely required a lot of preparation. I love it. So from what I heard, it sounds like the formula is, well, first write an amazing book. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, once you have that uh, set up, it's building your audience. That's a big piece I think a lot of people forget is that consistency that you mentioned. And uh, 
it's a b- missing piece of the puzzle, but it's so much easier to have the audience first rather than working the other direction. Um, it just you're just going to be spinning your spinning your wheels. So step one, build an audience. Step two, make sure you're taking advantage of all technical and algorithm-based advantages, and then batch process as much as you can or condense as much promotion into the first couple days of launch, and uh, you'll be sitting pretty, it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so far so good. Okay, nice. No, I appreciate you sharing that with us um, and would love to really just expand your voice and your advice beyond just this book and into people's lives uh, on a deeper level. Um, And I'd be curious when this happened to you, what is the best advice or the most useful advice that someone else, perhaps a mentor, a coach, a one of your parents, anybody else has shared with you in your life? I'm sure I had a lot of different, you know, small bits of advice that I still carry with me. But the one that I remember the most came from my manager at Microsoft. And it was my first time getting into this really big corporation. And he said, um, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. And the reason was, you know, working at a company the size of Microsoft, there's a lot of red tape and you need a lot of people to sign off and you need, you know, approvals for everything that you do that it can take weeks, if not months, to get projects approved. And I was the kind of person who gets things done. I couldn't wait three months to get a sign off on a project and I really wanted to move fast. So he told me, you know, it's, it's usually better to ask for forgiveness than permission. So start doing, show results, show success, and it will be so much easier to just forgive you because you're doing so well. And every now and then, if something goes wrong, just tell them, I told you to do it. I'll have your back. <laughs> Love it. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, ask for forgiveness and uh, your scapegoat is Maya. There you go. <laughs> Not a problem. I write notes all the time. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so I'd be curious to tap into, again, in this sort of world of valuable uh, advice, what do you consider the most valuable tool or resource? And this can be open-ended um, to quite anything. Um, I'd be curious what is something in your world that you just have to have and you just really love? This is going to sound really strange, but I would have to say people. And Mm. it works really well on the personal aspect, but also when it comes to working for a company. So as a marketer, I am very much obsessed with being customer-centric. And everything that I do, every process that I start, starts with understanding my customers. And that doesn't mean sending out a survey. It doesn't mean, you know, trying to understand their demographics. It means picking up the phone or meeting them for coffee and having an actual conversation because there's an abundance of information you can get from your customers that you can't get anywhere else. There's a vibe, there's a feeling. Sometimes even the words they use make a huge difference. 
And I think it's very much the same when it comes to your personal life. Everything I did in my life, every time I wanted to move up the ladder, every time I wanted to try something new, yeah, I read about it and I try to get information. But until I spoke to someone who actually have done that before, I didn't really get the nitty-gritty, the, the unknown unknowns. And I think talking to people really helps you get there. So, yeah, you still need to do the, you know, you need to cover your bases. You need to do some online learning and you can do it with books and podcasts and what's not. But there's nothing that actually replaces having a conversation with someone who has been through what you're about to, you know, the, the journey you're about to embark on. Mm, no, and I'm zero percent surprised uh, <laughs> to hear that. One of the things that's really stuck out uh, from watching you from afar is your deep empathy and everything you do, everything you approach. I notice uh, that human connection to people that you mentioned. So um, it's definitely visible from the outside. Um, and I think, yeah, the listener can really understand that. That's a piece that I really struggled with a long time ago, like is being an introvert and striving for that human connection. I always hide behind, hid behind brands and content and everything else and never took it to that next level. But it's those real conversations that you have, either face-to-face -face or now, I guess it's Zoom-to-Zoom -zoom or in the comments yep. sections. But uh, still, that human connection can unpack so much, especially in the marketing world. So really grateful that you mentioned that. Um, would love to switch to the opposite end of the spectrum of pitfalls, mistakes, uh, errors. What are or what is the biggest mistake or pitfall you believe people should be avoiding in life? And this can be on the personal side or, or on the professional side. I think Baker's, it actually... Baker's choice. Yeah, I think it actually <laughs> applies... I think it actually applies both ways. I think you are your biggest obstacle. And we put up so many walls for ourselves just because we keep telling ourselves, we can't do it. We're not good enough. It's never going to happen. It's someone else's fault. There's nothing we can do about it. So having that um, um, external locus of control and not really understanding that you can grow and learn and improve and it's been, a, it's been a challenge in my career as well. It's not like everything was smooth sailing. There were times where I didn't feel like I can do it. I didn't think I have what it takes. And I kept telling myself I can't do it. Luckily enough, I found ways to overcome that. But it wasn't easy and it didn't happen overnight. It was a growth process. And like I said, everything is figure outable. If it does not defy the laws of physics, we can do everything we set our minds to and I think people telling themselves they can't that's probably one of the biggest pitfalls mm, no that's such a huge piece and I'm glad you tapped into that because it really is a psychological barrier there's nothing out there in the world literally stopping you it's always in your head and uh, you obviously are living proof of this. Um, as you've just mentioned, you had a fairly, fairly normal childhood growing up, no superstar, crazy, dramatic, like events that needed to launch you into stardom. There's, it was just pretty average, consistent 
work and working on yourself. That's really a big piece that I've seen here too. So uh, I just wanted to take a moment before we wrap up here to just deeply acknowledge and appreciate everything that you've done. I've been watching from afar um, for a while and it's been so impressive. I know it was a dream of yours to hit bestseller and Damn, it's all I bet it feels so awesome. Um, I was so happy for you. I just had secondhand happiness for it. So um, it's awesome to see you putting out so much positive energy in the world. So uh, with this last piece, I would love to just really give you the mic, give you this uh, last minute of airtime or as, as long as you'd want to speak to the listener that we have here. They are looking for something to level up their life, whether it's recalibrating uh, on a whole new path or just leveling up from where they're currently at. Can you go ahead and wrap things up, giving us your final words, Maya? Of course. I think, and this is pretty much the bottom line of everything that I do from the book to the content and even this interview, at the end of the day, you can decide what your life looks like. You can decide what your career roadmap looks like. You can set up goals and achieve them. As long as you have a plan and you follow it through, you can make any dream come true. And I love telling this story just because um, it shows how much is possible. So about seven years ago, this was when I first imagined what my perfect day would look like. And I did this exercise with where you look 10 years into the future and you need to tell yourself what you want your life to look like. And for me, I wanted to live in the US. I wanted to be the CMO of a Silicon Valley startup. Um, I knew I wanted to have my own project. At the time, I was dreaming about having a podcast. And um, I wanted to be more fit and healthy. So I figured ah, I should probably look into yoga. And when I had this perfect dream, I was not living in the U.S., definitely wasn't an executive level yet, was not doing any yoga or any exercise, to be honest, um, and I didn't have a podcast. And when I think about where I am today, seven years later, I figured out how to come here. I moved to the U.S. two years ago. I was the VP of marketing for a fintech startup, and now I get to focus on what I love doing most as a consultant, which is more on the strategy side. I not only had a podcast for two years, but I also um, was able to achieve my next dream, which is write and publish a book, as you know. And I've been doing yoga for almost three years, and I can do uh, the crow pose, which was very difficult for me to achieve. <laughs> And, you know, and so much more. And I know when people hear that, they were like, well, you had seven years. And I'm like, well, yeah, I had very ambitious goals. And when I tried to move to the U.S. for the first time and it didn't work out, I tried something else. And, you know, when I didn't get that VP role for the first time, I tried again until I was able to make it happen. And I think we live in an era where people want instant gratification and we kind of tend to, you know, forget you actually need to work for it. So maybe you don't have goals that require, you know, seven years to actually come true. Maybe you can do it within a year. But if you have an end goal, if you have a dream, if you can vision it in your 
if you can see it in your head, all you need is a little bit of consistency every single week or every single month. Take one small step towards that goal and you will get there. So bottom line, you can make your own dreams come true. It only takes persistence. Mm, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Empires are built one brick at a time. Maya, thank you so much. I'm sure that 10-year-old Maya with her red notebook would be so damn proud. I got a husband and I got a bestseller, baby. Um, so I'm truly, truly so happy for you and uh, appreciate you sharing your story and looking forward to following the rest of the journey. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. End audio experience. You're a beast.